Um, get out your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts, and we're going to get in the Word today and talk a little bit about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The title of the series is The Nine, and for those of you that are hoping it was like, like green grass and rolling hills and flags, it's, it's even better than that. Better than green grass in January are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are literally superpowers that God places in our lives supernaturally to accomplish His will, to edify, to build up, to glorify Him. It's, it's an amazing tale that we're about to tell. And I would say this to you today, it, it's one of those weird things to, to say, now we're going to talk about golf. <laughs> but now we're going to talk about golf. Why? Because, because golf combines things. It, it combines the sheer power of weightlifting. I, I was uh, really privileged at one time to watch Tiger Woods hit a ball. My son and I went to the Buick Open back when, you know, there used to be green grass in Michigan and people golfed here before global warming and the new ice age that we're now in, you know. And I, I remember watching the first two pros tee off. Tiger was number three and the first guy teed off and Josh and I looked at each other and went, wow. Like we play golf, but that dude plays like cannon golf. like. It was incredible how far, how straight, just the speed of the club, the, the contact that was made. It was a different sound. If it was a different sight, it was incredible. Next guy gets up. He tees off. He's, he's hotter than the first guy. But, by the way, I mean his golf swing. He wasn't, I don't remember what it looked like, but his swing was hotter than the first guy. And pop, and it just, and it just, it just kept going up and up. And I'm like, is it ever going to start to come down? And then it started to come down, and it rolls. And he was like, like 20 yards behind the other guy. Tiger Woods gets up. And he made the first two look like Pee Wee Herman while he was fasting. Like he, his swing was so violent that he has football injuries playing a non-contact sport. He, he tore ligaments and knees and body parts went flying off into the third row. I mean, he hit that ball so hard. I just stood back and went, okay, golf is a power sport. Say it with me. Come on. Golf is a... But it's also... A, a sport that has to do with, with the style, like the form. It, it's not just power. If all you have is power, you will hit the ball 350 yards. The problem is it'll go 200 yards that way and 150 yards that way. This is a power sport, but it's also all about form. I, I know about weightlifting because I did it. You know, I, I curl those quarter-pound weights with cheese on them, so I know about that. But I also know about distance running. My wife and I did distance running for over a decade, and the longest run was 150 miles over a multiple-day cross-state race. And it just, you know, I, I know that if you if you start running like this, you, you won't be able to go long because your back, your knees, your hips. You look at this poor guy on the left. He's going to be hurting in the middle of his back because his posture is slumped. His knees are both going to be burned out. And his heel strike, you run like that? You run like a rhino? You only run like 10 feet before you die. You run like a gazelle? You can run forever. Form is everything. But this is golf. Golf is not just power. It's all power, but it's all form. And the only thing that came to mind was this. <laughs> this, to me, is golf. I can spend a lot less time and a lot less money trying not to cuss doing other things. Golf is this anomaly. But here's the beautiful analogy about golf. It's simply this. How many of you guys are glad I got rid of that picture? It was like, oh, please, some things I can't unsee. Um, I think that golf is the great analogy of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because if you think about this, Jesus says, I'm going to send a counselor to come with you. That's, that's uh, the book of uh, would be Matthew 15, 16, 17. Talks about the Holy Spirit coming. And, he, and the title, the name that he gives the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. Not parakeet, that's a bird. Paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And, and literally defined, it's the one who comes beside you 
and encourage you, strengthens you, comforts you, guides you, counsels you, teaches you. And, and, and this is a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I do not by any means mean to demean the Holy Spirit as God by comparing him to a caddy. But you have to understand, though he is God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the... There you're good, okay. Then he also has this job of handing me these gifts, these abilities. Would you hand me a golf club? I have one over there, but I, I forgot it. Someone brought it. Someone helped me already, but not enough. Just one would be good. Which one, which one are you going to give me? Let's see. Psychologically. Okay, good. <laughs> the pitching wedge. This, this golf club has such an angle on it, you have to wear goggles and a helmet. It throws the ball straight up in your face. Um, but you understand there's certain purposes for this club. If I want to hit a ball a certain distance at a certain height around obstacles or in sand or whatever it is, my caddy would hand me just the right club for just the right moment. JD, I'm sorry. I need the other one too. How many of you guys understand that if I'm in the sand, this is, this is the right club. I, I can angle it. I can lift it. I can open up my stance. I can pitch it so it hits the roof 10 feet in front of me. But if my caddy were to hand me this club, how many of you guys know what happens? Nothing. If I use this club off the tee, guess what happens? Maybe 50 yards, maybe 60 yards. It'll be 80 yards in the air and 50 yards of distance. I use this club 300 yards. 150 that way, 150 that way, because I'm not good at it. I mean, I, I did score my first par game last year. Been golfing my entire life. First, I was so excited. I came down to the final putt. I'm on the green. I hit it right through the windmill into the clown's mouth. I got a free ice cream. I love golf. It's a great game. So. But I find that as the Holy Spirit says, listen, there's certain things we want to do. And, and I want you to have this ability to do something that you can't do without it. If I were to take this golf ball and I were to say, I'm going to throw it as far as I can towards the goal of getting in the hole. It's a 350-yard it's a dog leg to the right after 250 yards. I'm going to throw it as far as I can. You guys realize the longest pass that was in the air in NFL history was 61 yards. The longest Hail Mary pass was 61 yards. I got who threw it, not that you care, but uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? The guy can't run, so he's got to throw. And he threw that ball 61 yards. It was caught, touchdown, 61 yards. Hail Mary won the game. That's the longest that a human arm could throw. A professional athlete who was the best kid in elementary school, he was the best kid in junior high, he was the best kid in high school, he was the best athlete in college, he was one of the best athletes ever played the game as a professional, and he threw it 61 yards, was the longest recorded touchdown with a human arm. But any idiot can hit a ball 61 yards with this. Why? The power's in the club. Everything changes when you hold on to the club. What I can do with this is so much different than what I can do with this. This is my power but this is the power of what's in my hands. Are you getting this? So when the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, it's as if, and again, not demeaning, but sincerely in Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit having this role of placing the right club in our hands at the right time to accomplish the goal of getting people to know Jesus, of edifying the church, of glorifying the Father. He's going to hand us these gifts. Now, it's up to us whether we use them or not. I don't want to swing that club. It's kind of scary. I'll just pick it up and throw it again. Well, good. You'll get it a good, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 yards. You might throw out your rotator cup throwing a golf ball, but you'll, you'll move the ball down. It'll get there eventually. But how many of you know God doesn't want us to dig holes with shovels? He wants us to dig holes with backhoes. The power of the backhoe. This is what I'm doing when I'm digging a hole with a backhoe. This is what I'm doing when I'm digging a hole with my hands. This is accomplishing a thousand times more than this is. Why? Because the power's in the tool. 
The power's in the club. The power's in the gift of the Holy Spirit given to you so you can accomplish the will of the Father. Are you still here? So we're going to get into a couple of those gifts in, in a moment, and I, and I hope that by just telling you these things, it begins to intrigue you, interest you, make you hungry for the things of God, and to begin to act out and move in these things. But the number one question I get, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, is are the gifts really for today? I don't know where someone decided that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were only for the apostolic age. Only the apostles would use these gifts, and after that, it wouldn't happen. My understanding of that dynamic is that God called us to this, and the book of Acts set this great standard. Jesus says, not only will you do the things that I do, but in my name, you're going to do greater things. But, but it, somehow we decided that that wasn't true. I'm not sure where, and I don't, I don't belittle those who would believe that. But I want to I challenge that thought by simply saying this. I, I believe with all my heart that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and we see in Scripture where the Holy Spirit in the New Testament forgiven, born-again church being extraordinarily active. They're not doing anything unless the Holy Spirit's leading them. The Holy Spirit's accomplishing more in a day than they were accomplished in like decades before, centuries before, as mankind of people following God. And the empowerment of the Holy Spirit being so, so, so important. So on the day of Pentecost... They, they go from an Old Testament understanding of God. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, died for their sins, um, breathes on them. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 21, uh, don't be afraid. He breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit as the Father's sending me, so I'm sending you. In Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, they're told to go tarry and relax and receive power and the Spirit comes on you. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they're all together in the upper room. And this happens, this fulfillment of a prophetic scripture from Joel Joel chapter 2 is now happening in Acts chapter 2. And what happens is these, they're endowed with, with languages. They can suddenly speak, for example, French, but they don't know French. They can speak Italian, so they sound really angry. They can speak German, so they sound like they're clearing their throat and choking on bones and things, right? But they're, they're speaking, and they don't understand. They're just, they're just euphoric, and they're just, they're just letting it out. And what's coming out of their mouth is a language they don't even understand. Well, there happen to be people, if you will, analogy from France, from Germany, from Italy, and they say, you know, it's funny, that guy's a Galilean, but he's, he's speaking fluent French. I understand what he's saying. He's, he's talking about how cool God is, how big God is, how amazing God is, and I'm sitting here going, how, how does that Galilean know how to speak the language of where I'm from? That's, that's really crazy. And so this, this meeting, this 120 in an upper room, spills out into the temple courts, and everybody's hearing this. Well, Peter stands up, and this is what he says. Am I kind of loud this morning? I feel like I'm loud this morning. Maybe just my ears popped. Okay, anyway. This is what he says. He says, this is that. This is that. This is this. What was prophesied in Joel, this is that. And this is what that prophecy was. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, who's going to get this? Okay. What's the word all mean? Thank you. Yeah. On all people, your sons and your daughters. So he, again, he's, his explanation is not, hey, this is for now. Sons and daughters is plural and without end. Your descendants, your children, that, that your offspring, not just sons and uh, So this one generation and into the next generation, but even if it was just into the next generation, that would be enough to know it wasn't just for the life of the apostles. It's for the life of the apostles and those who were children at that time. So already we're not into the first generation. Already as he's announcing what this is, he says this is that and that that is here is not just for us. It's going to continue on. This is that. But God says in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. There's a gift. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And that's this beginning of the explanation. Now what you need to take away from that is this. He says in what days? In the 
Okay, what comes after last? What comes after last? You say, well, if I'm closing a sermon, so many things. This is my last point. Do you have time for it? Who will give me two more minutes? Two, four, six, eight. Okay. When God says last days, what he's telling us, there's going to be one last season on earth for humanity. And in that season, the last days, my spirit is going to be prevalent. It's going to be poured out. He's going to be everywhere. He's going to be in you, on you, around you, through you. Um, you're, you're even kids, daughters, sons, servants. I, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. He, he closes up. That, that phrase, and now in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and this gift that you've seen us express and manifest, this is for you, you're going to receive it, the promise is for you, your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God shall call. So again, if we were to say doctrinally, just by reading the book of Acts, was this, was the intention of the Holy Spirit, was, was the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, was the prophecies about the Holy Spirit, it doesn't say anywhere that it's only for the apostolic age. No. Awfully quiet, especially for a Pentecostal church. Ding. Amen. Thank you. We got one. And sold to the lady in the front row. Good. Hear me. Guys, I, I don't mean to start controversy, but I do mean to end confusion. If you thought God was done being God in an expressive way, you're absolutely wrong. When Jesus said, I want to teach you how to pray, here it is, you ready? Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should expect some pretty heavenly things. I love the sovereignty of God, and I am confused at sometimes when things that I want to happen that would require the power of God don't come to pass. But please be careful of reducing God to your experience rather than elevating your experience to what we see in Scripture. If there's a distance between what I see and what God says... It is not incumbent on God to move into my comfort. It is incumbent on me to move out of my comfort into the glory of God. And so I think, and forgive me if I don't want to say this wrong way, this is not an indictment on anything, anyone, anywhere. I want unity in the body of Christ, okay? It's not us and them. There's only us, the family of God, yes? But I think that we've made a terrible error if we believe that God's done doing great things. I think we've made a terrible error if we think God doesn't want to use every individual, whether they be sons and daughters or old gray prophets, whether they be shepherd boys or kings, whether they be little servant girls or they be queens, God wants to use by his extraordinary spirit anybody who's willing to let him be used, right? We, we submit our, our bodies as living sacrifices to a holy God. So in doing that, God use me should be one of our prayers we pray regularly. So are the gifts done? I don't believe they are, and I, and I defy anyone to show me anything in any part of the New or Old Testament that says they are. We, we can change our doctrines as we go on based on our experience, but we cannot change the doctrine itself that says God in these last days has a desire to pour out his spirit. And in that outpouring, there will be gifts and manifestations on people of all ages all over the world. Somebody say amen. So what are the gifts for? Well, a lot of things, I guess. The, the gifts are for the glory of God. You know, when, when things happen that only God can do, it's hard to credit Jim. It's hard to credit Dina. You know, if I walk up to you and you're... you're femur is snapped in two places and I put my hands on you and that's healed. It's not to say, wow, Jim's a great healer. Like no one would be that dumb. <laughs> They'd say, get your hand off my leg. You know what I mean? Stop touching me. But, but you know, that hurts. But they wouldn't say, wow, what a great healer. They, they say, well, God still rides donkeys. Right? 
It's also for the common good of believers. We'll see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, the gifts, the manifestations of the Spirit are for the common good. It's not to make me cool. It's not to make me better than anybody else. It's not to make me stand out and be distinct in some egotistical way. It's to make God cool. It's to make God stand out. It's to make God to be prevalent in some wonderful way. Amen? So it's for the common good of the believers. And lastly, it is what I call the superpowers, you know, the superpowers to advance the kingdom. I would much rather be Superman from another world than Batman with cool old toys. Because innate in me is the ability to, like, melt steel with my laser vision. Fly around the world so fast that I reverse the orbiting world and reverse time so that Lois Lane can go back to life. How many of you guys are old enough to know the Christopher Reeve Superman? I was like, what? I'm just, I'm just saying. He was that cool. So superpowers to do things that we cannot do. Let me show you what they are. So one is given the message of wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Paul's going to describe, let me just say this, two minutes of teaching before we get into the, the 10 minutes of teaching that's left. Paul's going to describe the gifts of the Spirit. I don't believe what he's doing is saying these are the only gifts that God will ever give by his Holy Spirit. I've experienced things outside of these nine gifts that can only be attributed to God. I found out God's not only a healing God, he's also an extraordinarily mechanical God. I anointed a truck that would not start in zero-degree weather with 10W40, the anointing oil of all Chevrolets everywhere, and a car that would not start started immediately. What, what, what is that? What happened? Well, you got lucky. Well, it's mechanics. Well, the car was warm. It was, it was under zero degrees. So I don't care if the sun came up or not. The battery didn't even go click. It just was like nothing. And then we prayed over it, got back in, and started right up. I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen God do things that are outside the, the container of these nine gifts. We should be watching for what God wants to do. But here are nine things to give us an idea of what God does. And some offices and some workings and some manifestations. So let's get our heads and hearts wrapped around this. The message of wisdom. What is that? Um, this is what that looks like. This is when God hands an answer to you by his spirit to a question that has no answer. That's probably the best explanation. Just you know how to do it. You don't know how you know how to do it. You just do. You, you know exactly what to do. I, I see this in John chapter 8. Jesus is doing his thing. He's teaching. And all of a sudden there's this commotion in the back. And this poor woman who's been caught in the act of adultery is brought by some of the religious leadership of that area, and they, they bring this lady in who knows what state of beshevelment and dress, and they, they throw her on the ground on rocks. And how many of you know this is like her worst moment on her worst day ever? And, and they, they have him, and what Star Trek fans would know as the Kobayashi Maru test. They, they ask him this. The law says, Moses told us, that we should stone. We should, we should get rocks and, as a community, throw them at her until she's dead. We should stone such a one. What do you say? Now, this is why it's the Kobayashi binary on-off. There's no, no in-scenario test. If Jesus says, uphold the law of Moses and kill her, he's broken the law of Rome that did not give a Jewish non-Roman citizen the right to execute anybody. So if he says, kill her, because that's what Mo said, then they get to report him for murder. He goes to jail. They get rid of Jesus, which is what they wanted all the time. But if he says, no, no, we don't have the right to kill her, they say, well, then you're, you're abdicating the responsibility as a rabbi to uphold the law of Moses. No matter what he does, they have him cornered. Check, 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 mate. But the gift of wisdom steps in, and Jesus says this, let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw that stone. And the Bible says one of the most interesting things to me. As I get older, it's become more and more funny. It says they all left from the oldest to the youngest. When I was young, I had great zeal. The older I get, the more limited I realize I am. 
and the more mercy of God that's actually required in my life. When I was young, I was so idealistic. And you look at like even the life of King Solomon. When he's young, he writes this book about passion. It's the Song of Solomon. My beloved, it's like a graceful gazelle with pomegranates on her face. And it's, you know, she's got a neck like a giraffe and her teeth are like melons and like, this chick's ugly. I, if someone would ever draw a woman with like a gazelle neck and, and teeth like melons, like it would be like, be like one of those things where you change your face with a baby and then it throws up or something, just, right? So. But it's all about passion. Oh, I am my beloved, and he is mine, and we're going to walk through the grass and enjoy the dew, and it's all about sex. It's all about passion. Well, as he gets older, he writes the book. Anybody know what the second book he wrote was? Proverbs. Life's all about wisdom. It's about how to get things done the best way. I've lived long enough to know it's not just about passion. It's about how to get things accomplished, what God's will is, the hidden secrets and things that are not obvious. I'm going to write these down. But his last book he wrote, anybody know what it was? Ecclesiastes. Where you go, it's vanity, vanity, life's a vapor. I can't believe I, you know, spent all that time you know, with 1,100 romantic interests and all the gold. And in the end, it's just, man, just love God. That's what life's about. Just love God. It isn't about the gold and the silver and the harem and the, and the scarum. And it's, 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 it's about God. And isn't it funny how his life changes? Well, here we have these older guys. And Jesus goes, okay, you, you ready to execute her? The law of Moses says this. Okay, those of you who are worthy to take to carry the, the mantle of execution, do it. And the oldest guys go, oh, crud. And the younger guy's like, well, yeah, we're better than she is. And we're probably better than you. And we're, we're the elder go. We're the old crud. And then he has this private conversation, and he begins it by saying, daughter, he talks about who she is, not what she's done. Where are your accusers? She looks up for the first time in the story, says, they've gone. And I, I picture it this way. Jesus leans over and says, sweetie, I didn't come to accuse you either. Now, don't, don't do that anymore. You have no idea how wonderful you are. Don't sell your birthright for a bowl of stew. Interesting that she got caught and he didn't. It's hard to commit adultery alone. That guy ran out on you. He was a cheating mug when he started. You deserve better than that. I love you too much to say nothing. So don't sin anymore. Do better. You're better. I'm going to see the gift of wisdom here. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's this beautiful gift. And so God gives us these things. I... I um, was out in a parking lot. When I first came back to the Lord in the military, I was so excited, just, just wanted to share Jesus with everybody. And there was a parking lot full of kids. The church was right across from the high school, kind of like we are here. It was an open campus, but they had security at the high school parking lot and not at the church parking lot. And so, you know, probably 80 of the, of the, the kids that didn't want security around would smoke dope and, you know, get hammered and get pregnant and fight. And that's where, like, if something bad was going to happen, it can happen at school, you get caught. So it happened at the church. It makes perfect sense, you know? So I, I, I just felt a compassion, like, i got to lead these kids to Jesus. So I walked out there, and sure enough, some of them are starting to get saved, and they're getting off of drugs, and they're breaking up with their, their rotten boyfriends, and their, you know, misguided girlfriends. They're finding themselves in Christ, but there was a drug dealer out there that hated that because customers were going away. He wasn't in control of that territory anymore. There was competition, and so he began to walk into my conversations and just kind of antagonize me, like, yeah, sure, there's a guy. You know, hey, you get away from him, and he had a stick with a nail in it. And if you didn't listen to him, he'd, he'd whack you and like puncture you with a stick that had been in everybody else's bloodstream. Like he was, he was a bad kid. And I thought, you know, this one time I just, I got mad. I mean, you know, there's a holy indignation and then there's, there's the other one. I, I'm not sure which one it was. It, it's, I, I think it was clearly the other one, but I remember thinking, I'm just going to give it back to him today and if he doesn't like it, I'm going to give him a stickectomy. 
I'm going I'm to help liberate his digestive tract with that stick, if you understand my meaning, the nail side first, because I'm done. I'm a, I'm a cop. I mean, I'm, I'm a soldier. I'm a police officer. I'm, I'm not putting up with this punk kid selling drugs to my kids anymore. So he walks in the conversation, and he says this. He goes, oh, yeah, hey, Jimmy. <laughs> so you're talking about God again, huh? And I'm like, hey, man, you know, just walk away. And I screwed off with him. Walk away. It wasn't like, you know, please don't blame me. It's like, today's the day, buddy. Walk away. And he goes, I'll walk away, but first answer me this. Where is God? You ever seen him? And I just, I just, it came out of my mouth. <laughs> you ever say something and you didn't hear it until after it was already said? How many are married to somebody like that? You are. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking until I hear myself say it. And much like the great apostle Peter. And, and so... I, I said, do you have a brain? And he reached back with that stick, and he said, yeah. And I just went, well, here, it's on. Bring it. But out of my mouth came the next thing. I said, how do you know? You ever seen it? And the stick kind of came down. He said, no. I said, how do you know it's there? He said, well, because, because it's been proven, because science, because I, and he, I don't know why he's answering my question. Instead of swinging a stick, I think it was God, you know? And he's, he's saying, because this, because, and I said, everything you just said, I can take the exact same words, replace the word brain with the words Jesus. The same logic you use is the same logic I'll use. And the stick came down. He said, I never thought of it that way before. And he walked away. Guys, hear me. That was a gift of wisdom in the midst of Jim's foolishness. Let's just throw down, you know what I mean? We're going to have a, a good Motown throw down, you know? From that, it would turn into a Jesus moment. Listen, you need to be looking for, for God to say to you, you know what? You could hit him with his stick, or you could hit him with mine. But God's stick sends the ball a lot farther towards God's goals than Jim's stick ever will. And arguing with him and debating with him and having these emotional, you know, conflageries, which I think I just invented, in front of the kids I'm trying to reach for Christ, was accomplishing nothing. But God stepped in, and with one question, how do you know, have you ever seen it? The pride of the young man is humbled, and the question is asked by God and not by men. Do you see what I'm saying? The gift of wisdom. How many guys want to swing that club? Let me tell you something. Many of you swing it already. You just didn't know to call it a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I have found that people that don't believe the gifts are today are just as likely to be used in the gifts of the Spirit as those who believe they are for today. Did you know that? Let me show you another one. Now, this is the one I could really prove to you. The, the message of knowledge. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. What's this look like? Well, God puts knowledge of something that you don't know into your knower, and you operate on a fact that is unconfirmed except for in your heart. You know that it's true. You ever operate in this gift before? Uh, say, well, I, I don't know. And let me show you this. Uh, this and I've run out of time, and, and uh, piano guy, join me if you would. But the fact is, he said, Jesus is talking to a woman who had five husbands. She's having a religious debate. And so he says, you know, go get your husband. Let's continue the conversation. She says, well, I, I don't, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right. The fact is, you've had five husbands. The man you're living with now is not yours. He's not your husband, or he's not yours at all. He's another woman's husband, or you're not married, or whatever the deal is. And he gets behind all the religious arguments into the heart of the matter, which she was hiding from him. How many of you guys know the gift of the Holy Spirit is not to shame people, it's to release people. And so sometimes what keeps us in bondage is our, is our greatest sin, our greatest hurt, our greatest fear. We don't want to be disappointed with another man's religion, but man, we sure hope if there is a God, he finds us sometime. This gift is beautiful at that. How many of you guys ever just knew to call somebody? 
Or someone just knew to call. I just on my heart. Anybody? Let me see your hand. I just felt like I needed to read. Okay. That's the gift of the word of knowledge. I didn't know, but I, I knew. My mother, and by the way, all these gifts will learn in the weeks to come. 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, the fulcrum of love on which all these gifts are balanced. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, just an obnoxious noise, right? So we're going to learn about that in weeks to come. But, but understand this. If you love somebody, you're far more likely to be in tune with the gifts of the Spirit as you, as you minister to them. I can hit a speed bump in Michigan, and my mom will call me from Florida and say, what's wrong? Like, I just hit a speed bump. I felt a disturbance in the force, Jimmy. She can call me Jimmy. She's my mama. You can't. <laughs> What's wrong, Jimmy? Uh, nothing. I just hit a speed bump. Okay. Have a good day. Praying for you, buddy. Love you, too. I hate Donald Trump. She'll say that. She's a Democrat. She hates Donald Trump. Just got to throw that in there. Like, okay, mom. Love you, too. I don't, I don't mean to say anything that hasn't already been said before, but this is something that really helped you out, you know? Um, early on in our relationship. Actually, early on in, like, our betrothment, like we're going to be married. I, there was just something hiding in my bride that I felt like God told me what it was. And we were having a conversation. I'm asking a couple of questions, and it wasn't coming out. And I just I looked her in the eye and I said, you were hurt as a child. And I, I was specific in the way that you were hurt as a child. And there was that moment of, do I lie again? Do I hide again? Do I, do I keep this to myself and no one else in the whole world again? Or do I tell somebody for the first time what happened to me as a kid? And I love her. I loved her then. I love her more now. She just nodded her head. She said, yeah, and she cried. Why? Not because I'm a great psychologist, a great psychiatrist. I'm intuitive because God showed me the wound of my bride's heart, and he wants it healed. And so once that came out, we talked all night long, which was not a burden at all because I'd spend every waking moment. And as the sun was rising that next morning, she uttered these words, I forgive. And she stated the family member and she just wept. And God just put broken pieces, the beginning of that journey together. That's, that's the power of these gifts. How many of you guys know, how long would it take for me to try to work it out on my own, to try to throw the ball and pick it up and throw the ball and pick it up and throw the ball? But if God hands you one of these gifts, God just says, you know, if Aaron Rodgers can only throw 61 yards and, and a kid with a club on a pup golf course can throw it at least that far off the course and you gotta go find it, I mean, I just know we, we need the gifts that, and again, bad analogy, but you get it, the caddy, the, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit says, use this club. This will get it in the hole. Don't use a putter when you need a driver and don't use a driver when you need a putter. He knows which gift to hand us. So the question really now, I mean, the, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, is it okay to ask for these gifts? Like, is it just, God is so sovereign that if he wants me to have these, I will. May the spirit of stupid come off of you. Let me show you what the Bible says. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So not just the gifts, but, but the greater the gift, the more we should be eager about walking in these and moving in these and asking God for these, right? Look at the rest of 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit. Guys, this is for you. This is for your children. This is for all who are far off. This is for as many whom the Lord our God will call. God wants us to manifest a supernatural spirit, his Holy Spirit, through these gifts, through these clubs to move the ball, the goal of men's souls, the, men of the, the, the advancing of his kingdom. Like God wants us to hear his voice and obey. God wants us to know his heart and move with it. 
You are the body of Christ. And the Spirit pulls all these various pieces together. Christ is the head, and the Spirit gives us the ability to move these arms and hands and grasp on the things and backswing and front swing and launch people into what God wants for us. My wife's life, my life, your lives, many of you have been changed because someone allowed the Holy Spirit to hand a club and say, now swing that. Swing that. You've been swinging this? You tired of swinging? You tired of this? Tired of this? Tired of this? You tired of like, you know, putting through the windmill into the clown's mouth and winning an ice cream? You want to really drive the ball? You tired of digging holes with shovels and being exhausted at the end of the day because it's only your energy, but it's not the power of the Holy Spirit? Guys, hear me. There, there is a whole world for those who say, God, use me. That's not available to those who would say, no, thank you. And last thing is this. In the last days, in the last part of the sermon, the last words I'm going to say, probably. It's, um, it's such a great thing when no one can deny it's God. It's such a great thing. It's so powerful. Our world loves to argue. The most powerful person in our society is the victim. And we all argue about who's the bigger victim. I don't think Jesus is interested in arguing who gets to be at the bottom. I think he wants his people to be the head and not the tail. And we manifest real solutions through healing, through prophecy, through the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, a, a world that's tired of arguing about religion. So they just said, well, all religions are the same. Why? So they can make everybody miserable and are everybody happy. The one world religion will not be because there's one world leader that rises up. It's because we're also tired of arguing about who's right. Jesus shows what's right. And he shows himself to be the one who is right through his spirit, through his bride. So I would just simply say this. Who wants more of God? Would you stand your feet, please, all over this room? For some of you, as you stand up, what more of God means, first of all, is less of you. It literally means getting rid of the things that would stand between your heart and God's heart. That is sin. I've got this pet sin. I've got this, this thing I'm really ashamed of. I've got this place. Listen, you remember what he said to the woman caught in the act of adultery? He didn't say adulteress. He didn't say fornicator. He said, daughter. Why? Because Jesus, through his love, sees what we will be, not what we have done. He called her rightly daughter because that woman was the daughter of God. She went looking for love in the tent of a man and was disappointed for the millionth time. She found love at the feet of a merciful Savior who saw her for what she was and valued her in spite of what she'd done. If you're here today and you're like, God's a million miles away from me, it's not because he walked away from you. I'll never leave you, he says. I'll never forsake you. So if there's distance, who put it there? This isn't to shame you. It's to, it's to encourage you to just turn around, prodigal, come back. Just, just allow the loving father to adopt the orphan from the orphanage of this world. Just, just trust him for five minutes and you'll want to trust him for the rest of your life. If you're here today and you're like, man, I... I, I want to get a whole bag of clubs. I got a putter that's cool. I got a driver that's cool. But what do I do when I'm in the sand? I, let's just do this right now. Close your eyes all this room. Father, if we need healing in our bodies, that's a gift. If we need discernment of spirits, that's a gift. If we need um, uh, a prophetic word to confirm, to encourage, to strengthen, to comfort, that's a gift. 
We need a gift of wisdom to understand what to do and we don't know what to do, or a gift of knowledge, or we've got one, we just we're afraid to ask, or I'll, I'll call them tomorrow. Like, help us, help us begin to learn. Our caddy has handed us a club and asked us to swing. So the time to do it is now, not someday. The time to act on it is now with courage and faith. I think maybe the more we swing the clubs, the better we get at hitting the ball. There is a certain argument to be made for practicing these things. And I pray, God, you give us a willing heart that you would teach us how to play the greatest, <laughs> terrible analogy, the greatest game. Because if we're playing the greatest game well, we'll win the greatest war. And I ask you, God, to give us more. If you're here today and you're like, I, I would like more, I want this. I, I want more of Jesus, so I'm getting rid of the things that stand between his heart and mine. Or I want more of the gifts in my life. Would you simply just put your hands out in front of you like I'm going to hand you a Subway sandwich that's two feet long. Just put it right out in front of you, you're going to receive Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every open heart and every open hand that you, God, would place in those hands a club to swing, a ball to hit, a hole to reach, a glory to be revealed, a life to be enjoyed, God. I pray that you would give us faith and miracles and healings, God. We need them desperately. I don't believe you're distant. I think we forgot how to play golf. Maybe we never knew. But God, I pray that you would restore our swing and you would help us to make just beautiful, solid contact, God, with the ball, that you would, you would use us to accomplish your will. If you hand a club, these hands will grasp it and we'll swing it in faith and we'll get better at it as we swing. But we're gonna, we're gonna start now, God. These hands are open because these hearts are open. And I pray, Jesus, forgive us of anything that stands between our heart and yours. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Baptize us, immerse us, drench us in your spirit, we pray. Every fiber now, God. Come on, that's you just ask him. God, every fiber of my being. My yesterday is my yesterday, but my destiny stands before you, God. I'm a living sacrifice, a holy offering, God. Fill me with your spirit and use me. Today, this week, the rest of my life, God, let me begin to swing. Let me begin to not ignore, not, not to parry away, not to say, put it back in the, in the bag. I got this. Like, no, now teach us, God. Lead us, inspire us, fill us, use us, God, in these things, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. Altar workers will be coming forward right about now. Please don't leave. Altar workers are coming forward. And, and one of the neat things about these guys is you can, you can be vague, you can be specific. I can't tell you the number of times as altar workers have prayed for people, God's given them a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Um, now, that's, that's not the primary purpose of being here, but it, it does happen quite frequently. People that love you begin to bring your need in the presence of God, and God speaks to them because they're removed from the situation. A lot easier than maybe you in the midst of the situation trying to fight it on your own. So if you need prayer, I trust these people. They're wonderful. I hug them. I love them. They teach me. I grow when I'm around them. Please avail yourself of prayer. The other thing is, on the way out, I'm going to be back in the guest room. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'd love to meet you because I'm selfish that way. I like people. Um, I'm not in it for the money and the fame. I, I love people. So I'd love to have a chance to meet you a little bit and hang out. In the meantime, how many of you guys are ready to play some golf? Metaphorically. How many of you guys are ready to play some golf? Literally. Yeah. May God deliver you from that. Amen. On your mark, set, go. God bless you guys. Go love on people.